This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, the founder of Innovative CX Solutions, a past chairperson of the CXPA, and a practitioner with many years of transforming global operations and designing better customer experiences. Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello and welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, and welcome back for another episode talking about customer experience, employee experience, and experience management overall. Today's guest is Steve Walker with Walker Research. We're glad to have Steve joining us. I'm turning the tables on Steve as I joined his podcast and uh, asked him to join mine. So welcome, Steve. And if you would, introduce yourself to our listeners. Yeah, Bob, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be on your podcast. Actually, I think we had you on a couple times and uh, we had such great dialogue. So I really appreciate uh, you having me on. Um, I'm uh, kind of, uh, you know, came through this through my family connections. Uh, I'm one of the fortunate people uh, in that my grandmother, uh, started doing door-to-door surveys in 1939, and uh, she was a uh, quite an entrepreneur, and uh, saw the opportunities that were emerging in this kind of new new field of market research. And uh, she actually, uh, as a, a young woman, uh, not college educated, uh, started her business in 1939, and we were just fortunate to grow up in the market research uh, world. So I've been around the business my whole life. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I, you know, I thought I'd be an NBA player or an IndyCar race car driver or, you know, a president of the United States, like all kids do. But uh, I was very much drawn back to uh, the family business. Um, after I uh, got my degree, I, I went into public accounting for a couple of years and then actually joined one of my clients as a financial executive. And then, um, you know, about my mid-20s. I came back and joined the family business uh, in 1982, I'm kind of sad to say. Uh, But uh, we were already involved in what at the time we called service quality measurement. Um, A lot of people don't know this um, outside the kind of the research side of the business, but the, the origins of customer experience really started in the regulated utility world. Uh, where they uh, used these measurements of customer satisfaction, uh, longitudinal measurements to basically maintain and and defend their levels of service with the regulators. Uh, So, you know, in the big, before AT&T was broke up, and then there were lots of other, you know, smaller regional uh, um, telephone companies, people would remember like GTE, uh, Centel, Telcel, there were all these kind of uh, companies that provided, you know, residential and business phone service. And that's really where the origins of customer satisfaction started. So uh, we always had that as kind of part of our business. Uh, and uh, we actually, um, when, when the um, kind of the fascination with uh, customer satisfaction started, uh, we were kind of already well positioned for that. And I kind of think the marker there is about the late 60s. Um, 
And in fact, uh, when we talk about it, maybe draw some conclusions back to where we're at today. But, you know, if, if you're old enough to remember the late 60s, early 70s were a time of, of big social change uh, and big, big changes in sort of our society in general. And they were also big changes in business. Uh, so I kind of came of age at that point. But it was also at that point that J.D. Power uh, did his first surveys of the auto industry. And he couldn't sell them in Detroit. Uh, because they were um, uh, too, uh, you know, they had too much hubris. Uh, they weren't going to listen to this guy that said, hey, the customers think some of these other brands are better than yours. Uh, but he actually uh, did sell them to uh, Honda and Toyota and Nissan. And we kind of all know what happened uh, over the 70s and 80s in the automobile business. <laughs> and we were sort of doing that on the B2B side. We always came at the sort of the measurement of customer satisfaction as a way to um, monitor quality uh, and to improve quality as perceived by the customer. Steve, fascinating summary and, and, a, and some great tidbits that I want to explore with you. Do you think we've gotten away from the core elements of that early service quality movement, if you will, of the 70s of 80s. I mean, sometimes we get so complex. Have we forgotten at the core it's about quality? What are your thoughts there? Uh, yeah, I think that things go in cycles um, and that the basics and the fundamentals uh, kind of repeat themselves over and over. But I do think that we've made progress. Mm -hmm. I mean, clearly, um, you know, our ability to... Um, uh, you know, in, enjoy our life has been enhanced uh, over the last five decades in terms of all the innovation that's occurred and all the choice that's been created and, and all the customer service. But I think, you know, I think some of the, the core elements of our business uh, do repeat themselves and, and, and they do, um, uh, you know, the, the, they're sort of foundational. I just think that, you know, we can't control every aspect of it. So there's always things that are changing. Uh, but, you know, being able to listen to customers in an effective way, uh, be able to take that information and then, you know, implement it into your processes and your products and your services and your people, and then actually have that show up in a way that customers are willing to pay for it. You know, I think those are still the, the basic premises. But yeah, it comes back to like customer service, um, you know, good, good listening systems. Uh, effective change management and, and alignment with strategy, uh, culture and people, and, um, you know, just the kind of the whole empathy thing that we talk about today. You know, I, I, I've always described in some ways, you know, we're trying to get back to the, to the old days where, you know, all business was local and there were no, there wasn't mass marketing, there wasn't uh, commercials, there wasn't, you know, national brands. Uh, everybody did business in their own little community. So everybody knew everybody else's customers. There was huge accountability, total personalization. And, uh, you know, if, if, you, if you weren't kind of contributing to that, uh, it, it didn't take long for that, that news to spread. We're just, we're just trying to do that at scale and, and sort of in a virtual electronic marketplace. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I, I, was uh, with a colleague a, a few weeks ago and we were talking about journey mapping and process documentation. And, and at one point we stopped and looked at one another and we're all kind of in the same era, era that we're talking about and said, yeah. 
didn't we used to call this process re-engineering? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we were like, yeah, I guess we just put a different name on it, didn't we? And, and like you say, making good progress, but sometimes some of those core elements, Six Sigma, total quality management, re-engineering the corporation, all of those uh, big business trends certainly uh, continue today, perhaps under a different label. We actually, uh, I was having a discussion with one of my colleagues, but we did a report. I, I want to say it was maybe like over a decade ago, like, you know, 2007, 2008, we put out this report called Taking Action. And it was basically, you know, how do you, you know, how do you uh, take uh, customer feedback, integrate it into your business? And I read through it and, you know, it, it, I had sort of the same feeling that, that you were expressing, like, you know, nothing's changed. But, it, but in a way, it ha in a lot of ways, it has changed. But again, that's just sort of a, a topic that, you know, um, but, but I would say that, you know, a decade ago, we really did struggle to take action. Um, and, and we didn't have the kind of traction that we have today. Um, so I, I would say in that case, we, we actually have seen a lot of progress uh, in, in, in kind of our ability as a profession to impact our organizations in meaningful ways. I agree very much so. Steve, we're at the time of this taping, we're wrapping up 2021, heading into 2022, but let's stay in, in the present for a moment. Um, the pandemic, uh, we're hearing labor shortages, great resignations. I, I love talking to somebody like you that has a perspective in dealing with many clients around the world and and get your sense of where are we at in terms of experience management as we wrap up uh, 2021? What are you hearing? What are you seeing uh, from your clients and, and your own experiences? Yeah, Bob, uh, full disclosure, I am a um, unapologetic optimist most of the time. Um, it helps me cope, um, but I, I try to be uh, practical and realistic but I've actually, on my podcast, I kind of have this new uh, tagline I use, uh, and it, it really just came out organically uh, one day when I was just, you know, again, struck by uh, all the innovation and all the neat things that are going on in the CX space. But I, I have this thing, I say, it's a great time to be a CX pro. And, and I think it really is, even despite, and maybe not even to in spite, but because of uh, the, the drastic change that's going on, not just in our businesses and, and you know, marketplaces and, and, and uh, channels, but, but in society in general. Um, so, you know, I, I, all the, um, you know, all the pain, all the suffering, all the things that have occurred in the last couple of years with COVID have, have also created things that are, have been good. Um, you know, I, I don't miss uh, flying on airplanes every week. Um, I, I don't miss driving downtown in rush hour traffic to get to a meeting that I could have done on Zoom. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I do miss going to live sporting events. Uh, I do miss, you know, going to religious services or to the movie theater. And I think some of those things will come back, but I think some of the other things won't come back. Anyway, I'm kind of off on a tangent, but this is to say that I don't think anything has ever more drastically changed the way that companies uh, build relationships with their customers and their employees and other stakeholders. And ultimately, that's going to be good for people like us, because um, we're going to be the ones that help our organizations adapt to that kind of change. So, uh, you know, again, 
um, you can't change what you can't change. Uh, and uh, you can be sympathetic and empathetic and, and you know, and, and be understanding of uh, situations that cause um, issues. But I, I would just, you know, my message to our, our profession is one of optimism. And, and one I think of, of really being able to help our organizations lead, uh, lead us out, into, out of the pandemic and, and kind of into a better place. Mm-hmm. So true. I, I, I uh, oftentimes see people on LinkedIn posting that they're heading to a conference or on an airplane to visit a customer and they're saying, so great to be back on the yep. airplane and on the road. And I think to myself, yuck, we thought that was fun. I mean... <laughs> Like you, I mean, I, I, I commute to, to teach, but um, it still is, you know, it still is a grind, so to speak. And so, uh, oh. to, like you say, you know, there's some things I miss and some things I don't. Um, <clears throat> clearly, yeah, I, had a, I, I really, I, I had a fascinating conversation with Bruce Timpkin on my podcast a few weeks ago on this topic. And, and he, he really framed it really, really interestingly, like about uh, kind of what things people you know what people are going to go back to doing when they can versus some of the things that are never going to come back and uh and and a lot of it comes back to sort of our desire for human interaction you know i i do i would gladly travel to see some people i haven't seen in a couple of years Mm -hmm. but the travel aspect of it is not (laughs) it's not at all attractive to me at all Right. It's not the intent of going to visit a customer or a friend or colleague. It's the way you have to get there. Exactly. Uh, so, um, you know, Steve, one of the things we saw when in, you know, the mid 2020, when the pandemic was in full swing, not suggesting it's not now, but one of the initial reactions where we saw organizations um, lay off a lot of CX professionals as if it was a, um, Uh, an expense like travel or entertainment. And many of us in the profession were really disappointed to see that because it felt like we just hadn't rooted CX where it needed to be in the organization. Have you seen that? Is it, is that coming back at all? Are companies kind of re-engaging and say, boy, we shouldn't have let that go, let professionals go. We shouldn't have tabled our CX. Are you seeing anything there or, or a different trend that you might've noticed? Yeah, I, I would say that we definitely felt that uh, on our uh, side of the business. You know, when when the pandemic first hit, uh, there were uh, contracts that were canceled, and and we had, uh, you know, we had clients that were let go uh, from their job, and and uh, programs that we were doing were suspended. Uh, but I, I, on a macro level, that has all come back and more uh, since then. So I, I think you know initially. Uh, there was definitely a shock to the system. Um, and, you know, I, I probably focus more on it kind of from running my own little business than I do to try to really try to <laughs> ascertain the big macro things that are going on. Uh, but I think your point to, you know, have we advanced the profession far enough is is really a valued one. Uh, I think we're still sort of viewed as a, um, uh, a nice to have and, and not a necessity. Uh, and that, you know, when things are going good, um, you know, I can spend a lot more time on uh, customer experience. But, you know, when things are, are not going good, it's, it's sort of a, um, uh, you know, it's a, it's a uh, uh, 
it's, it's something that we can go look at from kind of a cost saving standpoint. And you're right. I don't think that's where we want to be. Um, I think it's a, it's a heck of a, again, a heck of a lot better than it was 10 or 20 years ago where, you know, as soon as we kind of, you know, as soon as somebody got up on the wrong side of bed or you had a management change, they said, you know, why are we doing all this surveying or, you know, why, why are we collecting all this data on our customers? I, you know, we know what our customers want. We know how to take care of our customers. So, but I, I guess in my experience, every time I've seen it eliminated, you know, in order for companies to make good decisions, they have to have some sort of, uh, you know, customer insight. I mean, they, they have to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether it's really formally structured and governed and, and, and done in a thoughtful way and strategic way, which I think is what we do, uh, if, if that's not there, it will occur in sort of a uh, organic, uh, un, unstructured way, uh, because the organizations just simply need that information to operate. So, Steve, uh, fascinating uh, what you saw happen in 2020 and now uh, in 2021. Uh, when it came back, when, when companies reengaged, was it, you know, we're starting where we left off? Was there a different view or perspective that the companies had? Uh, were they asking for different services? What, what did you see when it came back? Yeah, um, you know, a couple things just right off the top of my head. I mean, everybody had to go digital, right? Um, you know, if you didn't have some sort of digital offering, uh, you, you needed to get one. Um, so, you know, some of the more advanced um, companies that we were working with already had a, a, a really strong digital element to their business already. Uh, but now, you know, every successful business has to use digital. On the employee side, you know, we, we have been um, um, kind of integral in terms of how, you know, companies have adapted to, you know, either full remote or hybrid or, you know, some sort of combination of, of how all that is affecting employees. I, I've never seen more companies now sort of uh, monitoring employee engagement on an ongoing basis, uh, which I do believe is to be state of the art. Um, so I think that's another one. And then, and then frankly, we've, we've deployed our capabilities in terms of collecting, managing, and using data uh, to help many organizations sort of monitor and uh, manage um, kind of the modern necessities of what it means to be in the workplace. You know, um, you and I, we're lucky. We get to work remote. Uh, we can work remote. We can, rem- we can work from anywhere where we got an internet connection and, and you know, power. <laughs> but there's a whole lot of people that can't, you know, that they have to go and, and be on site. You know, they're, obviously it's the first responders and the healthcare workers, but it's also teachers and tow truck drivers and construction people. And, you know, so, um, you know, th- this, this has been really, a, you know, it's, it's it, I've never had discussions with our clients about some of the issues that we're having today, like, you know, vaccine, vaccination for example, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not here to get into the politics of it or the, but, but the reality is, is that, you know, employers are going to want safe workplaces. Um, and yet we still need to respect the human rights of the individuals, but, you know, at some point we have to have some sort of way of tracking that. And, um, you know, our, our profession is, is actually pretty good at, at stuff like that. So we've seen a lot of that as well too, sort of, uh, you know, particularly for the industries where they they have to maintain a you know a a safe and uh, virus 
COVID free environment. Mm -hmm. And, and am I understanding you correctly that you're, that you're able to track that now and assist organizations in that way? Yeah, we have a partnership with Qualtrics. I think you're aware of that, but, yes. but they have they have uh, tremendous uh, public health um, uh, applications in in their software. You know, it's it's kind of the same thing. You, you know, as as collecting feedback, you basically say, you know, um, are you vaccinated? Yes, no. I'd prefer not to say. <laughs> if yes, <laughs> right? why? If if yes, would you be willing to upload your credentials? And you know, actually, I did travel to Europe. Uh, earlier this fall, last, well, you see, this is, I know we're, we're here before the end of the year, but it's going right. to be played in January, but right. I, I actually was in Europe um, in November and I was in Paris and it was delightful because I've never been there when it was less crowded. Um, but, you know, you do show your VAX certificate to enter uh, facilities hmm. uh, and I'm okay with that. Uh, and, but after, after you did that, it was, it, you know, it was very, very relaxed, but, you know, just sort of a different kind of, uh, I guess, uh, structure, but yes. Uh, and, and, and actually, uh, in France, the, the, uh, the, the, the citizens actually keep an app on their phone. Um, but for the uh, tourists, it's okay if you can just uh, show your Vax card, but mm -hmm. yeah, there's, there's all sorts of applications and, you know, like, uh, hospitals, you know, they, they have a responsibility to make sure that, you know, uh, some of those people are, are vaccinated. And then if you got contractors coming online, I mean, I, I envision a time when, you know, probably as we start to get back together, that people will want to know, you know, that the people that are coming into their, um, office are either, you know, vaccinated or have been tested. So. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. One, one, um, somewhat related question in terms of the, um, collection of survey data, there was quite a debate early on about whether organizations should continue to survey customers during the pandemic or should that be tabled? And it, and it sounds like for some of your organizations, they tabled it, but is the surveying process still ongoing? I mean, are companies still committed that from what you see to collecting that data and acting on it? Because that's part two is we're also seeing uh, lots of communication and back and forth about the fact that a lot of data is being collected, but not much action is being taken against it. And that's so critical. Are you seeing anything related to those trends from your, from where you sit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in general, and this is coming from a survey guy. I mean, I've spent my whole career in basically the market research profession, but there is a general, um, movement to do fewer and fewer structured long surveys and i am very comfortable with that i you know i i will tell you i have a longtime client 20-year client that does like 45 minute in-depth interviews with their strategic customers uh, some of them in person but most of them now uh, you know over a, a zoom or teams call they get like 90 plus percent participation but it's because they have a, a virtuous cycle of collecting the information, you know, uh, memorializing the feedback and using that feedback to demonstrate not only at the macro level what they're working on, but at the, at the individual client level. And they use that survey, that annual survey, as a guide for their account planning. So, uh, you know, I've, I've always sort of rejected that we're over surveyed, even though I know we are, 
I think it all comes back to your point is if you, if you use it and the customers see that they use it, you really do create a virtuous cycle of feedback. Now, having said that, when the pandemic first hit, the only marker I had was uh, 9-11 here in the U.S., uh, you know, mm. September 11th, 2001. Uh, at that time, we were still doing lots of telephone surveying, you know, uh, during the day to businesses and at night into the households. Uh, and obviously that was inappropriate. Uh, so we, we did suspend that for, you know, a week or so. And then, you know, working with our clients, we feathered back into it. Again, our most sophisticated clients were using this data longitudinally, so they couldn't leave too big of a gap. And also because it was such a significant event, you know, they, they wanted to have their finger on the pulse. Um, I would say there wasn't quite as much pushback uh, on COVID because uh, there were, you know, if you think about it, and this is something, you know, there were some businesses that were just hammered uh, mm -hmm. and shut down immediately, almost immediately went out of business. And then some other businesses went bonkers. You know, you, you mm -hmm. saw what happened to Peloton and DocuSign and Zoom. Uh, and, and UPS and FedEx, heck, even the people that make boxes, you know, they, they had a boom. Uh, anybody that could make stuff out of plastic, you know, for, for uh, uh, pet, you know, the personal, whatever they call that. Uh, PPEs? Yeah, PPEs, mm -hmm. you know, so, so there was like this sort of this, you know, uh, alternative universe that was going on. Yeah, part of the economy was crashing and the rest of the economy was going bonkers. So we saw a little bit of that. Um, but um, actually, one thing, and it goes to your earlier question of did we see some changes, I, I will say a big change was that um, we saw the emergence of much more interviewing of the uh, voice of the uh, uh, customer facing employee. Mm. Uh, and that is a great tool to have in your toolkit uh, for situations like that. I guarantee you, your salespeople, your customer service people, your store managers, you know, whatever your customer facing, your waitresses they know what the customers are experiencing too. And, uh, you know, that's, that's always a good proxy and, and actually going back to the journey mapping and how do you drive change? Uh, that's a, that's a key link in sort of your whole knowledge system there. So mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's always a good trick you can, you can have, but yeah, it was nothing like what we saw at nine 11. Uh, but again, it was significant. And, you know, that's again, what, what, what we're here to do is to help guide our our, our companies through these crisis situations and make sure that, you know, um, you know, we're being part of the solution. So, right. To your point about frontline employees, I remember uh, being in Minnesota at a Minnesota based company and running a large contact center organization. And along about mid January, we'd started getting all these requests for customers located in warm weather client uh, uh, climates, like, Miami or Dallas or San Diego. And we, I'd always, I had question, why do you need customer lists? Well, we're going to do customer visits. I said, oh, <laughs> so it's 20 below in January in Minnesota and it's, you know, 70 degrees in Dallas. So you're going to go visit customers. I said, you know, there are 500 agents right outside my door that you can sit down, never have to go anywhere, never have to travel. And you'll get all you need to learn about our customers right out that door. And that was never a popular response that that they got <laughs> from me it's like no no we want to see them in person so uh steve this has been uh, a great a conversation as i knew it would be because of your perspective and your and your background in the industry and in the profession uh we are in 2022 and i'd love to get your perspective on what 
what your crystal ball says 2022 is going to be like for our profession. Your thoughts? Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a continuation of 2021. And I, I um, you know, I just, I, I, again, I go back to, it's just such a great time to be in our profession. I, you know, some of the things that we're doing today have been possible to do for 20 or 25 years. Um, but there were just not enough companies um, that were interested or that understood it or that had the kind of the vision to, to stick with it. And today I just see so many companies that have entered this space uh, in part because of people like Qualtrics and the other platform companies, um, you know, where they have just made this thing such a, uh, um, you know, a, a more of a critical business um, uh, tool. Um, you know, I, I, I do, I say it's a great time to be a CX pro, but there's just, you know, there's never been this kind of appetite. And so I think for our profession, it's, you know, it's, you know, hammer down. Um, we need to be uh, super uh, aggressive and assertive in making sure that our companies are um, uh, at the very peak of what they can do based on their maturity and their resources. Um, almost all companies today um, differentiate based on their experiences. Um, and uh, we're the ones that can help uh, put those in, into momentum. Uh, the tools just keep getting better. I mean, we, we aren't even scratching the surface yet on, on AI and machine learning. And that's personally where I've been spending a lot more time and kind of where's that going. Um, you know, the, the whole uh, kind of context of, of um, X and O data and, and really taking our, um, our insights that we get from customers and employees and matching that up with the other data that our, our leaders, our functional leaders or our business unit leaders in the company use to run the business and really helping them understand that. I just know uh, in the service businesses, the link between customer and employee data is going to be huge just putting those two things together which i know there's historically been some barriers both regulatory and kind of siloed or organizationally but i just i just i've seen enough to know that the that the companies that can link their employee data and their customer data just as we were talking a minute ago like with call center applications those organizations are going to get insights that's going to create solutions that other companies that aren't doing that will not be able to do so uh, again, I'm, I'm a, uh, a, a unapologetic um, optimist, uh, but I think uh, particularly in the, the CX and the XM space, uh, there's a lot of reasons why you can uh, be optimistic. Um, and uh, so I, I, I think 2022 is going to be another banner year for CX. And I really like your, your phrase, hammer down. I mean, uh, if CX professionals don't get motivated by that and, and look at 2022 as, as exactly that, let's go uh, hammer down, let's make things happen. I think that's uh, motivational and inspirational at the same time for CX professionals in our industry. Hey, awesome. Steve Walker, Walker Research. Thanks for joining me today. It's it's been a pleasure, and we've really I've really enjoyed the conversation. I'm sure our listeners will as well. It was my pleasure, Bob. It was uh, really fun to get the get to be the guest. For yes, once, so. <laughs> indeed, listeners. Uh, this has been another episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast with your host Bob Asman. It's been my pleasure to have Steve Walker joining me today. 
And also stay tuned for future episodes, as well as listen to the CXFM radio podcast network for other episodes with my fellow podcasters. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show, follow me on LinkedIn, and visit my website at InnovativeCX.com for more insights on creating better experiences. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.